0: Hey everyone, this is your girl Amber, and this is Reaching Your Potential. In this episode, I'll be discussing some diagnoses that belong to those topics of neuroscience, okay? So I'm not going to talk about all of the diagnoses in neuro, but I will discuss some popular ones that you may see in the MVCOT exam, or you may have seen patients with these diagnoses in your field works or just in life in general. I will discuss some ways of how I remember some important symptoms as well as the interventions that are great for OT. So grab your pen and paper and let's get started. So these different diseases, some are progressive and some people can actually recover from these different diagnoses. But we will talk about each one individually and I'll give you guys even the idea of the prognosis, if it's progressive or not, some symptoms that you should keep in mind about that certain disease, and of course the treatment when we as OTs may have a client with this disease. So the first disease that we will discuss is MS, also known as multiple sclerosis. A way that I remember this is think of MS as multiple scars. And that's kind of what MS is. MS is a disease in which the immune system is eating away the protective covering of the nerves. And those protected covering of the nerves are called the myelin sheath. And that protects the nerves to send out information to the body on what to do. So in case of MS, those myelin sheaths are damaged, which means that there's going to be nerve damage that disrupts the communication between the brain and the body. And this is not good because a person with MS will present with symptoms such as ataxia, fatigue, dysphagia, paralysis of the body, they may even have urinary incontinence, spasticity, and cognition is going to be affected here. Because, of course, we know about the neural that's dealing with the brain. A person's cognition is going to be impacted. Now is MS progressive. There are different types of MS such as relapsing remitting and secondary progressive, primary progressive, progressive relapsing. There's so many different ones, but I wouldn't really worry about those because on the OT exam, they're not going to specify what type of MS it is. They're going to be kind of general. So don't worry about it too much. Of course, look at it, see the differences, But really focus on the symptoms that are aligned with the disease. So as I mentioned before, there are different types of symptoms that are aligned with MS. And one of the biggest things is fatigue. This person is going to be very tired when they are doing activities or just going about their day. Fatigue is a big thing. Another thing is that they're going to have some visual issues going on. And some important ones to keep in mind is that they will have a decrease in visual acuity as well as diplopia, other known as double vision. When we think of those motor symptoms, we know that they're going to have a decrease in coordination, balance, incontinence, as well as spasticity. And for the cognitive symptoms, we mentioned that they will have a decrease in short-term memory, difficulty attending to tasks and executive functioning. So all those different cognitive skills, they're going to have difficulty doing those things. Now, if I have a client with MS, what are some treatment interventions that we can implement for this client? Well, let's think about the symptoms here. I mentioned fatigue. They're going to be fatigued during activities. So a treatment option that we can think of is doing tasks in the morning versus later in the day. Usually when we wake up, we have all of our energy. And during the day, as we get through the day, our energy starts to deplete. We get tired unless we take a power nap or here and there. But personal MS, they are going to be very fatigued and drained by the end of the day. So for OTs, it's really important if you have a client with MS, you want to see them in the morning because that's when they're going to have the most amount of energy to do the activities successfully and effectively. Another symptom I mentioned was spasticity, and spasticity is all about tone in the body. So one thing to keep in mind as a treatment option is using resting splints during tasks, and that will help lower spasticity in that client. When you think about the cognition aspect with this person, they're going to have difficulty with executive functioning. So a treatment option for this client can include journaling because that will help increase their executive functioning as well as the use of a planner. In order for them to organize themselves during the day and not forget important things that they need to do, Using a planner will keep them organized and also help increase their executive functioning. Some other treatment options can include energy conservation strategies, positioning that will decrease the ataxia, yoga, coping strategies, and sensory re-education, just to name a few. All right, so the next disease that we will be discussing is called ALS, other known as amyotrophic lateral sclerosis. Another way to think of it is Lou Garrett's disease. You don't know who Lou Garrett is? He was a baseball player who had ALS, so they just call it Lou Garrett's disease sometimes. So what is ALS? This is a neurosystem disease that weakens the muscles and impacts physical function. So in this disease, the nerve cells break down which reduces the functionality of the muscles that supply those movements. The cause of it is unknown, which is very scary, and this can lead to death. So this disease is fatal. So since this disease is fatal and is progressive, there are six stages of ALS. And a way I remember that there are six stages is that Lou Garrett, the baseball player who had ALS, was six feet. So think of that, six feet, six stages. So in the first stage, the person with ALS is able to walk. They're independent in ADLs, but they will have minimal weakness. Stage two is where they will be able to walk, and now they have moderate weakness. So we are transitioning from minimal weakness to moderate. Third stage, the person can still walk, and now they're having maximal to severe weakness. Stage four, they're not able to walk anymore. They're going to be in a wheelchair. They're going to need assistance with ADLs, and they're going to have severe weakness in the legs because weakness will start distally and go proximal, okay? Stage five, they're still in the wheelchair. They're going to be total dependent in ADLs, and they're going to now have weakness in the arms and legs. Stage six is when they're confined to the bed and they're going to need total dependence with their ADLs and their self-care tasks. So as I mentioned before, weakness starts distally, mostly in the hands and feet and they go proximal. That is one of the symptoms of ALS. Some other symptoms can include the loss of fine motor control or coordination muscle cramps, dysphagia, decrease in upright posture, tripping and falling, and even having slurred speech. But the main thing to keep in mind is what is not affected. And the way that I remember that is using the letters ALS, okay? So A, one thing that is not affected is applying knowledge, which is another way of saying cognition cognition, it's still intact. That is not really the best thing, honestly, because they are aware that everything is occurring, which is also very unfortunate. L. L stands for love. So the thing that is still intact is their sexual function. And the last letter, S, stands for (laughs) sugar honey iced tea. I'm not going to say the word But if you know what that means, yes, that's another fancy way of saying bowel and bladder function. So think about that. ALS, applying knowledge is cognition. L is love, also known as sexual function. And S, sugar honey iced tea, bowel and bladder function. All of those things are intact. There's no effect with those three things. Now when thinking about all these symptoms here we have to think of what is going to be a successful treatment option for this client. Remember, this person is dealing with a progressive disease. So we shouldn't take a restorative approach in here. We should take a compensatory approach. This is where we're going to be doing a lot of adaptation and compensation to prevent any secondary complications in this client and also to keep that person as active and independent as possible. We are doing a lot of energy conservation and work simplification tasks, as well as monitoring for some pressure sores, aspiration, and choking. Because when we are faced with someone with ALS, they're going to be having trouble, sometimes swallowing, speaking, and if they're in the later stages of ALS, they'll be confined to a wheelchair. So they're not moving out of that wheelchair for so long or as often during the day, they may have some pressure sores, So we want to make sure that we're constantly keeping them moving as well as being aware of some factors that may cause danger to that patient. Huge thing to keep in mind, a thing that is very contradicting is progressive resistive exercise. You do not want to do this with a patient with ALS because think about it, their muscles are not able to be working as they should be and their muscles are kind of deteriorating. They're losing all of their coordination and their movement. So progressive resistive exercise is not it for patients with ALS. Next disease that we will be discussing is Parkinson's disease. Parkinson's disease is a degenerative progressive disorder that affects those nerve cells that are deep in the brain. And if you guys took nerve already, you should know that Parkinson's is originating in those parts called the basal ganglia and the substantia nigra. And the nerve cells in the substantia nigra, they produce a neurotransmitter called dopamine. And this type of neurotransmitter is important for relaying the messages from the brain to the body that plan and control body movement. And unfortunately with Parkinson's disease, when there is damage in this area that causes the dopamine levels to drop, This will lead to symptoms of Parkinson's disease. So as I mentioned before, this disease is progressive and there are five stages for Parkinson's disease. A way I remember this is a really weird way of how I remember there are five stages of Parkinson's disease. I think of the word P in Parkinson's and in the word Parkinson's, the first four letters of that word is park, right? And I'm thinking of me parking my car using my hand and how many fingers do we have in a hand we have five fingers so five stages really weird i'm sure you will remember now that there are five stages of parkinson's disease so you're welcome but let's continue there are five stages the first stage is unilateral tremors which mean that only one side of the body Mostly the hand is going to have a tremor and that's just kinda like that involuntary movement of the hand is just shaking and the person cannot control that movement in their hand or their body. Stage two is bilateral tremor, where now there's gonna be tremors on both sides of the body. Stage three is where the person with Parkinson's is going to have impaired balance and slow movement, mostly dealing with walking. Stage four is when there's going to be a decrease in postural stability and they're going to need assistance with a walker. They will also need assistance with ADLs. And last stage, stage five, they're going to be totally dependent. They may be in a wheelchair or a bed bound and they also may have some hallucinations and delusions, which introduces us into the symptoms, right? Because they will have hallucinations and delusions, you know that there's going to be a decrease in cognitive function. But besides the cognition symptoms, I thought of a mnemonic that will help me remember most of these symptoms because there are a lot of them. And I thought of the words, two words, the word trap, like mouse trap, and the word smart. Another word for intelligent, smart, okay? So, trap. T-R-A-P. The T stands for tremors. Mostly resting tremors or intentional tremors depending on what type of tremor it is, tremors. R, rigidity. Rigidity just means that things are very stiff and they're unable to bend. So a person with Parkinson's disease is going to have difficulty moving. The joints will be stiff. Their movements are going to be stiff. Everything is going to be stiff here. A stands for akinesia. Akinesia is another word of saying slow movement. And we know what Parkinson's, a person is going to present with slow movement. And P stands for postural instability. And we mentioned that in one of the stages of Parkinson's. It was from um, stage four, where there's a decrease in postural stability, that's TRAP. Now, some more symptoms to keep in mind is with the word SMART. S stands for shuffling gait. Because we know when they're walking, they're going to have that shuffle gait. And that's kind of popular to see with patients with Parkinson's disease. M stands for mask-like face. If you ever met a person with Parkinson's disease, they're going to not really show any emotion. They kind of have that mask-like face. So they're not going to be able to show emotions, if that makes sense. And it's kind of sad to see, but these are symptoms to keep in mind when you're working with patients or may know somebody with Parkinson's disease. A is, again, akinesia, again, but... Just keeping in mind that slow movement, R, rigidity, it came up again, like in the word trap, but keeping in mind, rigidity, and T is tremors again. So I hope you may use both words, maybe one word, no words, (laughs) whatever you want to do to kind of remember some symptoms so you have a good picture of what a person with Parkinson's disease may look like. Now, when we're looking at treatment options for a person with Parkinson's disease, some can include different types of cues, such as auditory cues, visual cues, external cues. A big thing that's popular with Parkinson's disease is biofeedback. And we can use that as a strategy by putting them in front of a mirror. And that is the best visual cue. That is the best external cue for a patient with Parkinson's disease. Another thing that's popular with Parkinson's disease is metronome training. And that is just making sure that they are doing activities at a certain frequency. Look it up. It's actually pretty interesting to see. I saw this during my specialty field work. It wasn't with my patient that had Parkinson's disease. I had a, um, there was another student who had a patient with Parkinson's disease and they were doing a lot of metronome training with him and it was pretty effective. So go check it out, YouTube it. It's pretty fascinating. Another thing that can work are simple verbal cues as well as activities that should be timed during their medicine or medication on times. And this is important to keep in mind because you want to make sure that when they take their medications, this is where they're going to be the most effective. Some other things to keep in mind are also NDT handling. So handling We think about the NDT model or NDT frame of reference, and this is great when patients with Parkinson's disease have that rigidity, they have that shuffling gait. Their movements are not as smooth as it used to be. NDT handling will help that patient try to get back into the swing of that smooth movement that they once had. Okay, I went over a lot of different diseases in this episode and I'm actually going to stop it here and we'll go over a few more narrow diseases or just different disorders that deals with the brain in the next episode because as I said before, I don't want it to be too long and I want you guys to keep on coming back and getting this good info. So I'm going to stop it here. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns about anything that I mentioned in this episode, definitely hit me up. Okay guys, you have my Instagram, you have my email. I am looking forward to hearing from you guys. Don't forget to rate the podcast. If you listen to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Rate it, give it five stars if you think it deserves five stars. Leave a comment, leave a review, recommend it to a friend, a colleague, a student, someone that you know that is going to need this information when they need to study for the exam, or just may want to listen to a fellow OT talking about all these amazing topics that we learn. From OT school okay so with that being said that's all I got this is your girl Amber with reaching your potential talk to you guys later